I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I, uh, I don't know. I'll probably do Gun sounds. <laughs> Gun sounds Josh Brown. Every now and then a game just comes on with some sort of immaculate sound design and it's just worth pointing out how immaculate the guns sound. Now we've both been playing the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. Hello. Now we just wanted to do a Mass Effect appreciation podcast, to be honest. It's it's the best thing I've played since 2007. It's a long, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Um, getting access to the original Mass Effect games touched up in all their glory. And I think that um actually let's just open ended question. Do you think Bioware have done have done right by the trilogy? Do you what do you what was your expectation going into the idea of remastering, remaking Mass Effect? And do you, has it nailed that expectation? It has. It, it's, uh, it, you know, I think you described it perfectly when we did our first impressions video when you'd been playing it for a little bit um, mm. before it came out. And you described it as kind of like the perfect halfway <coughs> point between a proper remake and between just a crappy remaster pod. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's been enough touch-ups there that it feels different and it looks different and mm. it just feels like it belongs on the console I'm playing it on. Obviously, you know, from a gameplay perspective and from a structure perspective of the story and stuff like that, it feels very much like a game that came out in 2007. But I look at it, I think this is beautiful and I wanted to spend so much time in it. No, that's kind of the thing is that you don't realize how far, um, you know, like visuals have come and how much, like for me, the idea of Mass Effect, when I think back on that original game, it is still this amazing, you know, everyone always talks about when you think about remasters, remakes, old games that they've aged with us, like in your mind, you've already remastered Mass Effect, you've already brought it up to speed. So it's always the big problem with any uh, developer going back in trying to match that mind's eye version of something and like for me i mean when they had the uh comparison screenshots and stuff that were out there i could see the argument for they've not done enough but i think that's mm-hmm. because a lot of people were comparing it to the version in their mind if you actually go back and look at the character models and you know the lack of detail that is in all the npcs um and the the amount of stuff they've done with the background all the different lighting effects and shadows and god rays and all the fancy stuff i think it really does elevate it and like it i mean i've just I, t- I told you before we started recording, I've put 20 hours in and I've only just done Vermeer. I don't know how much yeah. how much you've done, but I just, I just, I mean, I, I wanted to make this my big sort of master playthrough anyway, because it does come with all the DLC and everything. But I just, I wanted to scour every last planet, every inch of every last planet. So I've just been, I've been spending so much time in the galaxy map, just doing side missions way more than I ever did before. Um, and obviously in the Legendary Edition, they've tweaked the amount of uh, the drop rates on ammo and weapons and things like that. So you're kind of encouraged to do that more anyway. But how have you been spending your time and what do you think of like, what it feels like to go back to it in 2021? 
Well, it's funny, man, because Mass, Mass Effect 1 in particular is perhaps the game I've replayed the most. Like, mm. I used to buy that thing over and over again because when I was younger, <laughs> I used to trade in games all the time to buy new games. And I would find myself trading in Mass Effect mm-hmm. only to then trade in some other games a few months later to buy it back because I just wanted to play it. And I just, I've been through it so many times. Like, going into the remaster, part of me kind of wondered whether I even needed to play it again because I've played it so many times and Uh I wondered whether going back to it I'd I'd maybe just be skipping the surface almost to just get like the greatest hits get the taste Mm. of it and be like yeah that was good I've I've really enjoyed that but no I've gone into it and I'm doing the exact same thing as you where I'm exploring everything I'm doing all the side missions I'm properly drinking it in because it is just as good as it was in 2007 and there are so many parts of it I just can't believe hold up as well as um, they do, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like there are so many things that I'm getting this nostalgic hit for, you know, like Mm -hmm. dropping on these planets, dropping on these moons, being able to drive around in the Mako and kind of investigate in this form thing. I love the Mako. I've got to put it out there. Absolutely rocks, man. Like, if anything, (laughs) they've done too much to it because I liked how floaty it was in the original where you could just... It was like getting a toy set out and getting a toy car and just driving it around a bunch of rocks that's what, how it felt but i love that stuff mm-hmm. um so yeah overall i've just i've only i'm about 10 hours in but i'm just taking it so slow just trying to do everything and just <clears throat> appreciating the law in a way that i just didn't yeah. when i was a dumb um kid <laughs> you know a dumb kid playing for the first time mm-hmm. not wanting to read all this stuff but now i'm like diving into the codex diving into the planet descriptions and getting even more than I ever have. And I played this game like 10 plus times, you know. That's that's the thing that hit me. I was like, I've been through this like <laughs> through it like last month. Like my wife was <laughs> like, I've not played Mass Effect. So I was like, we are sitting down right here, right now. We are playing Mass Effect. And we went through it and I didn't, I've never prioritized the side content. I always knew it was there and I did a fair whack of it. I was actually really, I was one of the people like you who was being like, no, the Mako stuff is brilliant. We already split because you say Mako and I say Mako. Yeah. But, you know, we had a lovely time. Classic. It's a classic. And I think, but that was the whole thing. I was the person defending that stuff back in the day. And I remember the early reviews back in 2007 saying that, you know, the planets do repeat. It's basically just a reskin of each sort of, if you're not on a main story planet, it is just a repeat of that basic geography with a different skin. Um, and, you know, like most of the interior bases are the same. There's only really like three bases. Um, and yeah. there's either like the ship interior, if you find, if you manage to find a ship on the galaxy map, um, there's the Mars style stuff and, and there's like the facility style sort of biome. Um, but I love that stuff. I like, I like the, the sensation of exploration. And I love, like you said, the codex entries on everything. And it's just finding things like different random cult. There's like a biotic cult leader that's sort of like trying to lead all these people astray. And you can go and you can talk him out of it. If your paragon is high enough, I guess Renegade, you could just go and execute him or whatever. Um, and there's all these different things where, you know, you talk to this dude on the in the Citadel Tower who mentions that his brother's missing and he gives you the coordinates and you go and you can find that thing. And all those things would have always been there. Um, you know, and I've, I feel like I did them over the back then. But now that I'm playing it again, I'm like, I don't remember this. And I don't remember this. <laughs> all these connections between these characters that are in the Citadel giving me all these specific locations. And I don't know if it's because it's also aided by, you know, I'm playing on PS5. So the load times are like two seconds. It's just nothing. Yeah. So you can really hoover all those things up up and i mean also the way that the trophies are laid out like most of them are just do this do this biotic power 25 times or you know the 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 wreck situation on vermeer like solve that with a paragon or renegade choice or whatever um they're really easy to get but i think it just because we're coming off you know 14 years of loving this uh ip then it's it's kind of the thing where i'm just i'm drinking it in at such a crazy pace um, and yeah. but all those side things are so worthwhile and just 
it's just been it's been lovely to be honest it has and you know i've i've kind of played it differently to how i did um mm. you know back when i was uh, much younger you know for for one i'm playing a lot more balanced when it comes to paragon and renegade and i think that's partly helped by the new leveling system yes. you level up way faster in this um version of the game mm-hmm. and i was a bit unsure about that before launch i didn't know whether that would impact the experience whether that was too much of a change from what Mm -hmm. i had personally grown accustomed to but it just speeds up that progression and unlocks the ability to role play a little bit more because Mm -hmm. in the original version of the game like if you wanted to solve some of those end game kind of you know final third big decisions you would need essentially to have stuck to either a panic par- panagade a paragon a <laughs> renegade path yes, um, and you renegade. couldn't really diverge because it would um, impact your progression it would impact how many points you could put into them and you need a certain amount of points to do certain dialogue choices but here mm. i've pretty much leveled all of those up like right away you know i still have a few left but it, it allows me to play around it allows me mm. to choose paragon um options in one situation then renegade in the other and i feel like i'm getting a more balanced experience that yeah. way and i feel like i get to explore options i just couldn't the first time around which has been really sick because i'm finding out now that renegade shepherd is actually really really cool oh my god well i've done i've done renegade runs before i've I, I, i've played one i played one I've, I've played through one like four times i think and i've done two a couple of times I did a renegade run uh, on Mass Effect 2 and like, I've done a renegade runs on one but that was longer ago but point being that the renegade writing especially if you play Femshep with Jennifer Hale um, is phenomenal like I feel like those lines it's just really funny like just there's so yeah. much dialogue in there that's really really funny um, like calling a Hanna or a big stupid jellyfish or things like that full on <laughs> space racism but you know and uh, there's loads of things like that though where like um like in my shepherd i just because i like the idea i'm mostly playing paragon i have got the achievement for hitting over 75 percent paragon but i do love that if you come across someone who's talking to you like a bit of a douche or whatever someone like um analeas on um uh, when you go to uh when you're chasing after benezia and you go to that planet and this guy's been a just a big old a-hole to you you can still say the renegade options and just kind of be like hey watch your tone or, hey shut up yeah. or whatever and you can probably like you know you can be that dude um but that it already makes me think that i want to restart it and do like a full renegade run um but it is just that the quality of the writing is just so sky high and um, like every every single npc is worth talking to like to the point yeah. where it kind of i had this sort of like feeling that washed over me where i was like this is what a video game feels like and it's been a long time maybe that's just because of last year um but when was the last time we got I mean, you said this to me on slack before we recorded but when was the last time we had you know, like a new IP that was this confident with this much of a world and a law and the amount of interaction points and everything else. Like just, it's still weirdly retroactively fresh because no one is doing this right now. Yeah, it is crazy. And um, even now how they, Bioware just threw you this world to mm-hmm. explore and none of it is overwhelming. Like the way you're introduced to all of the different species, all of the different um, political systems, all of mm-hmm. the touchstones of the galaxy there it's it's done in a way that kind of like welcomes you into this into this universe but there's a level of depth there that you can find if you want to dig into it like all of the different species have their own history all the characters Mm. you meet all the main characters you meet have their own family ties their own motivations and stuff that you Mm. uncover as you do missions you go and talk to them and even now that is fresh like even compared to other mass effect games i think the fact that they managed to pull that off in its own way is like a miracle like again i was talking <laughs> to you about this thing that i noticed um on one of the planet um descriptions you know every planet you can't go to every planet i love that service stuff. Yeah. um 
but you can get a description of every planet in like the seed a dlc that comes in a layer game like just in text and i was like that's an element of world building that is just even if they didn't plan to do that <laughs> dlc the fact that they could go back to this game look mm. at what they had look at the law they'd established and then just go nuts with certain elements of it like that's awesome that's cool well, this i think one... it's a testament to why mass effect as a franchise has just sustained its yep. fandom and why people are just loving jumping back into it again. Mm. Well, I mean, there was so much, I mean, I was part of it. There was so much outrage around Mass Effect 3 because it did feel yeah. like they completely dropped the ball. It was all about the color, different colored explosions. For me, I still think all that stuff is, is completely valid. I mean, listening to, um, there's a great interview over on, I think it's on The Gamer, um, with ex-Bioware devs talking about like the vast majority of Bioware as a team didn't like that ending. Um, and it was only it was only three members of staff, but they were the three key. It was like a lead producer, uh, one of the lead writers, and someone else wanted that ending, so they had to go down that route. Um, but the majority of Bioware said they didn't like that in the first place. And they only said, this is all in this interview, that they only started feeling comfortable about what had gone down when they managed to put the extended cut together, um, which is obviously what this is now mandated. So you get the extended cut and you don't, the original ending is completely... Well, it's obviously in there in parts, but it's mostly yeah. wiped out in the version that we got back then. Um, but yeah, one thing that like I think is a, is a huge deal that I just never realized before, because I thought loyalty missions were brought in in Mass Effect 2, but I realized this last night. You can kind of do loyalty missions for Rex and Garrus, and I know to some fans that's going to be the most obvious thing ever. Maybe you did them over the years, but I never have somehow. I never, because they're not <laughs> flagged as like this spoke on the dialogue wheel is like, oh, Shepard, I have this request for you. Like if you talk to uh, Rex and you get him talking about his family, then eventually he'll talk about his family armor that went missing, and you can literally say well hey give me the coordinates and we'll go and do it and that's his that's his loyalty mission it's just buried in his dialogue but you can do it and garris as well like you can talk to him about this one old um this sort of like body part smuggler that got away this like crazy super criminal um that like garris has been hunting for the last sort of 10 years or whatever and you can go with him and and do that and i yeah. just was like oh my god there's this whole i mean those missions are really short but they pay off um yeah. i don't know if you've done them before but i was kind of blown away by that that was kind of part of the reason why I used to rebuy it all the time because right. those the way those things unfurl, like I felt like I never fully got to grips with. When I first played uh, Mass Effect, you know, back in the day, mm. I got it at launch. I was looking forward to it because I saw it in a magazine, Scott Tilford. Imagine that. <laughs> What's um, that, Josh? <laughs> I don't know. I just wasn't used to kind of like RPGs at this level because it really was kind of like one of the first, or at least it felt like one of the first RPGs that kind of mixed the storytelling and the role-playing mm. with an element of kind of AAA blockbuster sheen. You know, you could play it as much as a, of a shooter as you could have as a RPG like a um, Fallout or whatever. Mm -hmm. So to constantly discover new things in the dialogue that would be able to kind of like shoot out, that was so rewarding. And it meant that I found something new every time, whether it was those little missions that, you know, like you say, you know, the... They aren't complex when you actually get to them, but the mm. fact that you could do it at all back then was so rewarding and it mm. meant you had a deeper connection to those characters and meant those characters sustained into potentially future games and stuff like that. I always remember there was there was one dialogue um, option right at the beginning of the game where you find a bunch of people hiding in a shed on Eden Prime. And there's one guy kind of going nuts. <laughs> yeah. And there's this one little prompt that says, I don't know. I can, like, I can shut him up or something. I, yeah. I can shut him up and you click it. And then Shepard just like absolutely knocks him clean out, just gives him like a right hook to the jaw. And I remember pressing that for the first time and just being blown away that I could do it. Like it's not yeah. a signpost. Like you say, it's not like 
hit him. Well, it's a dialogue bat, option. An, yeah. It's a dialogue option, you know? You're not really expecting it. But the fact <laughs> that it had those surprises in store, I was like, this game well, that, is worth buying 10 times. <laughs> it definitely is. I mean, that's the thing. I've bought it like four times now. I didn't even I didn't even need the legendary. I mean, I did. But I didn't need the legendary <laughs> edition because I own all the DLC. I went through on a buying spree last. I was like, oh, I'm going to do a master playthrough in 2020. There's infinite time in 2020. I'll play through all the Mass Effect. Yeah. And then I'd restart at the beginning, did the first one. Um, and then just didn't do the rest of it. But I still, like you said, it is worth buying over and over again. I do need to share one little moment that I did with Garrus because at the the way that he took out the dude um, that we were hunting down, which I guess is a spoiler for his uh, loyalty mission, but it's literally just, you know, go hunt this target that he's been dealing with for a while. Um, the way that he, because I literally, I used lift on the guy, which like I held him in midair and then Garrus shot him for the kill. And then it immediately cut to Garrus saying, well, that was satisfying. As the guy dissolved behind him with this like toxic um, ammo, and uh, and he was just like, oh, that was satisfying as this dude like was uh, falling apart behind him. And I was like, that's probably my moment of the year, to be honest. That was absolutely stellar. <laughs> um, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, one thing I was going to throw in is that uh, the reason I brought up the extended cut and stuff before was because I was going to talk about, um, you know, you were talking about them seeding DLC that's in three, um, which we can talk about the the name of that DLC, the Leviathan DLC. Yeah. Like that is is teased in this first one. Um, going back to, and I realized this, you know, years ago when I sort of replayed one uh, after coming down from the Mass Effect 3 uh, controversy, but they directly see the way that 3 ends. And we're not going to do like full spoilers for people who are just going through it for the first time, but for the, your first conversation with Sovereign almost ties in directly with what happens at the very end of Mass Effect 3. And it's like, you know, I saw Mark Walters being interviewed talking about like, oh, he hopes the, the Legendary Edition, you know, provides a new perspective on the trilogy, that it allows the ending to actually work. And, it, you know, it, it brings it all together in a way that I think that all of the EA's tendrils being involved in everything back in 2012 kind of got, you know, it, it did kind of ruin it. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you think of like that whole idea of reapproaching the story? Like, were you, where did you come down on the end of three anyway? And like, have you, what's your sort of thoughts on going back to it? Cause there's a lot of people who have been like, oh my God, it doesn't end well. So don't even bother. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it came to three initially, I was playing it in a vacuum, you know, I wasn't right. in any kind of Mass Effect fandoms or even online to the point where I was in forums or anything like that. So I more or less played it with only my own opinions and just reviews to kind of did go off. Did you have the DLC I mean? and everything installed? Like no. Did you have, right. That was that was an that's that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most this time around because when I was like younger I just I just couldn't afford or justify DLC mm. packs like it was just something that I just never ever got around to buying. Mm. Um, so this time around I'm looking forward to getting like the proper full picture. But when it comes to like the ending in general, I was always not underwhelmed by it i thought it was like all right i thought it was okay i thought it was interesting what they do and certain characters they bring in but mm -hmm. i do think there is an issue of course with factoring in your choices especially when there was so much hype beforehand mm -hmm. and then i got big into the indoctrination theory and i was like no there's definitely <laughs> more coming and obviously uh -huh. there wasn't but i do think going back to it we will reappraise mass effect 3 in particular because while that game does completely crap the bed towards the end there's still a lot to like about the ending but yeah. there's even more to like about the build-up to that ending you know in terms of character payoffs how um your choices impact you know long-standing arcs between games like there are mm -hmm. so many great emotional moments intense moments in that final game that yes does somewhat get undermined undermined by the end but if you're there for like the journey, if you're there going from one to two to three, carrying mm. characters over, listening to their stories, watching these arcs develop, like there is so much in that third game to still get a lot out of it. It is well, really cathartic and really rewarding in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that, um, you know, Walters and, and various Bioware members have said in that, that the gamer interview that I'm mentioning is like, you know, all of Mass Effect 3 is the ending. Like you do get, yeah. you know, like it's again, it's not to go into spoilers, but like all of that game deals with the culmination of various plot threads that are seeded at the very beginning of Mass Effect 1, like the um, the culmination of everything between the Quarians and the Geth, like the what happens with Garrus. Like there's just there's a lot of stuff that does get tied off in that final game. And um, the thing that I think is an interesting talking point is, you know, how much was Mass Effect 3's the negativity around Mass Effect 3 relating to the business decisions that came in in regards to segmenting that story because, you know, the Leviathan DLC ties directly into what happens at the very end. It is fundamental to understanding what you are interacting with at the very end of that game. Um, Javik being a DLC character day one never went down very well. Obviously, the Protheans are a, a key part of the lore. Um, and, it, and then the multiplayer side of it, there was all those marketing campaigns. I don't know if you remember them or not, but there was all the adverts around like Mass Effect 3 is the perfect place to start. And like we have yeah. this, you know, like, hey, we've got this multiplayer, mo multiplayer mode and we have all these, um, you know, these uh, sort of like plot explanations to get you caught up and all this kind of stuff. And all this weird split the difference corporate stuff where it was like, it's the culmination of a trilogy, but also there's a lot of money here. So we're going to try and get everybody on board. We're going to mine the fandom in terms of splitting, you know, essential story stuff, but we're also going to do the multiplayer. Uh, Mac Walters, um, the lead director, lead designer on the new one, um, who's always been there, he's been, been involved in the original trilogy, said that they are open to bringing the multiplayer back, depending on how the um, reception goes to the Legendary Edition. But what do you think in terms of, you know, like the reason everybody got so riled up? Like, was it directly because of multicolored explosions or was it kind of because of everything at the time? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I think it was kind of everything because, I mean, you know, if you look back at that game's initial release date, it was so soon. It was supposed to come out mm. so soon after Mass Effect 2. Like, it was, it felt like a rushed production. And even mm. though it had a bit longer, it was an, it delayed initially. I think when you play Mass Effect 3 in particular, even disregarding the ending, you can kind of see where corners were cut and where yep. things were kind of gutted in a way i mean you look at the dialogue wheel the dialogue wheel throughout mm. the first two games it has three choices you know you get a quote-unquote good one a quote-unquote bad one and then like a neutral one mm. and then in the third game they just remo- remove the neutral one entirely there are situations where shepherd will speak where you don't have any control over what they're actually saying then you get like a bunch of kind of weird behind the scenes stuff where you know they're using stock photos to <laughs> reveal major <laughs> parts of um, character identities. I'm so and stuff glad like they that. fixed that. Like that, I, you know, Scott, I was buzzing about that. I saw it on <laughs> Saturday, man. I had no idea they were doing it. I saw an article about it, and I thought they've done it right. Whatever else they might have messed up with the Legendary Edition, if they have, mm-hmm. the fact they've done that is awesome. You know, the yeah. fact that they've done that and they're making amends and making changes mm-hmm. is cool. But all of that stuff to me was indicative of a game that was just kind of like rushed out, was like chopped up, rushed out, and I think like like you said, you know, when you get onto the multiplayer, when you get onto the DLC, that was day one. It just is a game that obviously had so many um, issues going Mm. into the development. And in a way it's, it's a miracle that it's even good for what it is, you know, (laughs) because it could have been much, much worse. And Mm. I'll forever be frustrated that whatever happened behind the scenes, behind the scenes resulted in this rushed, ultimately botched game. But there is still stuff in there to enjoy. But yeah, I, I always think about what Mass Effect 3 could have been mm. if it had four years in development or whatever, you know, just a I lot kinda, of resources. Yeah, I hope that, like, you know, going through it this time, they've had more time to touch things up. You know, they have, we get we get the extended cut by default, all the assets are up because there was a whole thing around Mass Effect 3 looking worse than 2 when it first dropped. Like, the, the, um, the film grain filter was way too high. It just looked like a worse game. Um, and I would hope that going through 1, 2, and 3, it does feel tighter. I mean, it, it kind of has to because because it is part of a package now. Um, and I would hope that that does bring stuff together. I mean, the Legendary Edition right now is the highest scoring game of 2021. Like, I know that, like, if you really boil it down, it's not a game of 2021, but it kind of is and it kind of isn't. That's for something for Game of the Year later this year. <laughs> um, but um, that's the whole thing is that it kind of feels, I mean, it's been trending all weekend. It trended for, like, three days straight. Um, and, you know, there are all these sort of follow-up interviews about, oh, you know, we could do the multiplayer. And my response, you know, back in 2012 or the lead-up to the release when they said we're doing Mass Effect 3 multiplayer um, was, like, what the hell are you guys doing? I would much rather all your resources were put into the single player which they've finally managed to do now like the entirety of i mean i know it was i know it was a smaller wing of bioware putting this together but they've clearly been given the time to do it right um and my response now when i saw the multiplayer was like yeah yeah okay i would totally go for that i'm glad that you've (laughs) served the single player portion you've done right by everybody (laughs) seven nine years later whatever it is um but you can sort of follow up with a free to play you know because the combat model is brilliant you kind of really do see it evolve between all three games and then andromeda's combat was the best thing about it um but it's just it is one of those things i mean what do you think of the, the multiplayer side of it were you one of the fans that got involved back in the day anyway I played it. I dabbled. I didn't Mm. love it, but I was definitely in the camp of this is surprisingly good. I actually quite like this because, you know, at the time you were getting stuff like Dead Space 2's multiplayer suite, (laughs) which was just 
Why? Batman why? Why? Arkham you, Origins. Batman Arkham Origins. Why have you done this? Why have you siphoned off resources to make this half-assed thing when you could have made a better <laughs> single-player game? But Mass Effect 3's was the exception to the rule, and I did quite like how they incorporated it into like the story, your galactic mm. readiness that you could raise playing the multiplayer. And it was fun enough. I don't think, for me personally, even as a huge Mass Effect fan, I'm not going to play it if they patch it in. If it was there mm. at launch, I might have, but it's not something that I'm you know gagging for after. To the fact mine's the kind of thing where i think because I'm, I'm planning on going through all three games i mean there's not that there's not any big releases out right now we've already gone through the likes of resident evil and everything so i'm kind of like i'm gonna do like a couple hundred hour playthrough of, of all these games combined and try and see everything and um, but for me you know like I, I really like the combat thing i like how much they we should talk about that how much they've touched up mass effect one's combat um but at the end when i'm through that few hundred hour thing i i still think that i would i would take a nicely refined um you know multiplayer free-to-play thing with a nice progression system just to sort of dabble in that game's combat because i do love mass effect combat and um, like i said that garris thing or when i'm doing you know interactions with all these different enemies lifting a dude up throwing this other guy with like a force push style thing and um, headshotting someone else whipping a grenade in like a skimming stone <laughs> like all that stuff it does come together quite nicely um yeah what do you think of um how they've changed mass effect one i don't think they overhauled it as much as to it doesn't feel like playing two or three but they have like no. they have upticked it yeah, it definitely feels much weightier, much more responsive, much more fun to actually use. Because again, I was I was a bit of an apologist for Mass Effect <laughs> 1's gameplay back in the day. I didn't mind the overheating stuff. I didn't mind that your accuracy, for instance, was more tied to your build and stats than it mm. was your actual skill. I thought, Being well, right it's an next RPG. To a guy. That's all right. Yeah. But like this time around, like it just it just does feel better. Like this is the version you should play, mm. I think, if you're wanting to get into it, because it feels more like a shooter than it ever did. Yeah, it's not up with Mass Effect 2 and 3. And I worry that people might jump into one and expect that's how it's going to play for the entirety of the package, which mm. isn't um, true. But at the same time, the improvements they've made are welcome. It sounds great. Like we were joking about the sound, the gun sounds of oh, a sniper so rifle or a pistol are so punchy, are so cool. And I've really appreciated using other weapons this time around as well. Like I'm using the pistol a lot. I'm mm. playing as a vanguard and the pistol slaps. Like that thing does so much damage. <laughs> it's so accurate. And I feel like a, um, almost like a sci-fi spy or something, you know, right. moving from cover to cover, popping off these headshots and stuff. And I'm like, this is, this shouldn't <laughs> be this good. This is always the worst part of this game. Uh-huh. And yet I'm playing it now. Like, this is cool. There are issues. I think the AI sucks. The oh, fact God, that they yeah. all just rush you isn't <laughs> great, but the act of shooting at least works. Yeah, I mean, the, the sound effects side of things, they did say that they went back and remastered or touched up all the sound effects. So the likes of the sniper rifle does blow your speakers out in the best way possible. Um, and some of the high-level guns as well, I mean, the, a lot of the weapons can feel similar. Like, weapon diversity is something that they didn't really get onto until 2 and 3. But, you know, there are certain weapons you can get, the high-end stuff. Um, I forget, I think it's the right the Ray Q10. I forget the, the model, because you get, it's just, you know, brand name or weapon name and then a number. Um, and some of the higher-level ones, like the 9s and 10s, um, do start to be meaningfully different like i just found a machine gun that doesn't even fire the same way like the vast majority have the same sound effect but then i just got this other one that sounds way more like space age like it's sort of like a thum kind of fire and i'm like this is cool this is just sci-fi nerd stuff and i'm absolutely loving it 
and we should talk about the um, the story because, you know, a lot of people love Mass Effect 1 because of the story, because of the whole Saren stuff. I did see someone point out that one of the fixes that they clearly should have done is apparently during development of the original game, Saren's character model was supposed to get more gethized, you know, get more, um, you know, uh, synthetic and more cyborg-like across the story because he's slowly being indoctrinated or whatever you want to believe in regards to his affiliation with the geth uh, or with um, Sovereign. Um, that isn't wasn't the case. For whatever reason, during development, they had to go with the final character model and just put him through the entire game, um, which I did see someone point out is a huge plot hole when the council is talking to him and don't believe that he's in line with the Geth because he's literally got tubes and half his face is hanging <laughs> off and and no one believes Shepard that actually this dude is uh, is is evil or whatever. Um, and they could have, that's one of the only things that they could have actually you know, maybe tweaked or changed or whatever. But I guess they probably put that up against the reality of people going, that's not a Saren character model. What have you guys done? Mm -hmm. Because the Kelly Chambers that's in Mass Effect 2 and 3 is not Kelly Chambers at all. It's Oh, the, okay. Well, it, I mean, it is. It's the, well, it is in 3. It's the model from 3 <laughs> that they've put back in 2, which right. is not a nice looking Kelly Chambers. That face does not look finished. That's one of the only things that doesn't look very good. But... Uh, in regards to Saren, um, yeah, what do you think of Mass Effect 1's story in, among, in the context of the whole trilogy? And what have, you, what have you thought going back to it? I expected to go back and pick more holes in it than I actually have been able to so far. I'm still only 10 or so hours into it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's very straightforward. It jumps into like the world ending plot of it much quicker than I remembered it being like oh, okay. suddenly like Shepard like obviously gets the vision from Eden Prime and then it's all in on like right the Reapers are coming this is the end of the world <laughs> the like vision, this cycle's I've, I've dying. seen the vision like, yeah. yeah I've seen the vision and everyone's kind of like oh all right Shepard go and then you can be inspected just don't annoy us anymore oh super quickly but, um, sorry super super, super super quickly have you um paused and watched that vision now that it's in like 4k and gone frame by frame oh no I haven't people have now I mean obviously there's some of the footage already out there but now that it's available in up to 120 frames a second on the xbox um people have started frame by framing and you can see a lot of detail in that vision that was never there before ah. or at least wasn't there in full clarity before it's funny because some of the um images that are in there are just bioware zooming in on like a like a phone or something just sort of anything that had like tech components like a motherboard or a chipset and um, just zooming in on that and then throwing like fake blood over it and sort of showing that um <laughs> but there are also shots of you know a, a promethean city is in there you get to see some of the reapers you get to see Prometheans themselves in that vision. Um, and that's phenomenal. Like that was a level of detail. That I was like, oh my God, I didn't even expect them to do this. Um, totally. The vision itself does propel that whole story. And then it just kind of goes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said before, you know, your intro to this world is so welcoming and you're encouraged to just explore, you know, ease yourself into the story before things properly kick off when you're near Vermeer and when you get a bit mm. further on into the story. But it still holds up. I'm still fascinated by the cycle i'm still fascinated by like the reapers themselves you forget how <laughs> cool they are as yeah. a concept and how well they're introduced into this game and saren like all the stuff between saren and captain anderson i always knew was there i always knew that that's mm. a big part of some of the books as well but that's cool and um, this time around paying more attention to the villain and understanding who he was beforehand is this kind of he was always essentially essentially this rogue um specter you know he's always mm. been this guy who likes to get his hands dirty likes the violence likes the killing and stuff and that informed a part of the character that i just i never really appreciated as much the first time around but in terms of just pure storytelling it is for me it's just like sci-fi gaming like almost at its best like it yeah. works it's not quite as complex as the further games in terms of its characterization and a lot of elements but in terms of 
establishing a story that you want to jump into, establishing a story that can support three games worth of content. Mm. It has that awe-inspiring element, I think, that you mm. need in a good story in this genre. Well, it does one of my favorite things, regardless of genre, but I love it in this context, and that you get to have a conversation with the villain. Like, the mm -hmm. first time that, um, or one of the first times that Saren jumps your squad when you're on Vermeer near the end, um, and it's just like, oh my god, he's here. Like, we've been chasing this guy for so long, he's this, like, runaway fugitive. If you've done loads of side missions, you've done lots of other things, your crew starts saying, you know, it, it feels like it's he's got away from us. It feels like we need to catch up with him and everything else. And then you get to the Vermeer mission, which is a main story mission anyway, um, and Gareth, um, Saren is just there at the end. He flies in on his Green Goblin style floating disc thing and he's just throwing energy at you. But then then he stops and you get to have that conversation with him where you get to be like, why are you doing this? What's going on? Um, and you get to use information that you've just found out. And if your Paragon or Renegade, um, you know, stat is high enough, then you can say unique things to him um, that do factor into the final conversation that you can have with him as well. I just that level of i guess it's script writing that level of consideration for he's not just going to be this one-dimensional villain i mean that's one of the reasons he's one of the most beloved villains in video game history anyway but having that conversation with him and me for me because i'd done so much side stuff and my paragon level was higher i got to talk to him in a way that i haven't for the last 14 years um and he got to show a side of him that was then reflected in a really cool um dialogue exchange with liara where i was like catching up with liara and she was um talking about how she feels sorry for him and and i was just like this is a whole level of script writing that young me didn't interact with yeah or even over the years me didn't realize was there because i guess i didn't approach it with a fresh sort of this is going to be my new playthrough kind of mentality but have you found anything like that or i guess just general thoughts on the, the depth of the script writing that's there yeah, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, like I said, I keep comparing it to when I was younger, when I had kind of like <laughs> le less patience or less interest in digging into like the full backstories of things. Mm -hmm. The Mass Effect story just worked on a simple level of you are this person, you get to mold um, the story to your own decisions, but you've got this pretty straightforward thing. If you've got this interesting villain, you've got this big threat that's going to sustain you. You've got these really good characters that you love and want to know more about. But yeah, mm -hmm. going back to it now, like there is this depth to it. There's this nuance to it, this consideration of your choices and your crew's own personalities that I just didn't really appreciate. Like I said, all the stuff with Captain Anderson and uh, Saren was re really fascinating. Mm -hmm. The fact that I didn't even, this is, this blew my mind. <laughs> like I didn't, I've had this conversation with Garrus, like I said, right. 15 times before and going back and finding out that he could have been a specter at one point, yeah. you know, he was up for consideration. Yeah. Him and a thousand others. But I was like, that is a detail that has just slipped my mind over the past 15 well, years stuff... and it adds an extra element to him. And I love it. That stuff, that stuff is great. I didn't realize, um, again, I don't know why I didn't talk to the, I mean, I feel like when I think of my playthroughs in Mass Effect, I feel like I talk to these characters. I love these characters, but then talking to Rex and picking apart his family stuff, the stuff with his dad is insane. Like, mm. that I just, I don't know if you know that stuff, but I guess not mm -hmm. necessarily to spoil it, but just like that whole conversation kind of, he just kind of drops in, like, and that was the day I left my father. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, let's pick that apart for a bit. And like, that's kind of crazy. And like, the stuff with um, Ashley Williams, like, her whole stuff of like, you know, looking after her sisters and kind of becoming this makeshift mum. And that's why she's so harsh. And the stuff with her grandfather, um, just bunch of stuff that clearly has always been in there and i think that over the like you know when i first went through it, i would have had bits and pieces of that i mean that's obviously why i'm i love the franchise so much it's not like I, I ignored these dialogue trees entirely but for whatever reason they didn't stick and i think it's because i mean it was 14 years ago it's almost half of my time on this planet ago but yeah like you know for well, whatever reason there is a depth there that i appreciate now 
Yeah, I, I do think it's because, you know, now, like you said, we're, we're willing to have a bit more patience as well. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't speak for you, but when I was playing it as a bit younger, um, I do think, especially Mass Effect 1, the balance between action and dialogue can be a little bit iffy at times when you okay. do perhaps want to just brush straight through the dialogue to get to the next mission or something. You know, you spend a lot of time in the Citadel, for instance, right at the beginning. Mm. And like you said, back then when the load times were kind of much longer and getting around the Citadel was much harsher, you didn't want to do all of this backtracking. You didn't want to do all of this loading, fast traveling between zones to get all of the stuff. Mm. And sometimes I found out back in the day when I was on the ship, for instance, you know, it was either a decision between getting to the next planet or I'm going to have to go down the long elevator to talk to Caden, who I couldn't care less about anyway. <laughs> so I just didn't do it back then. Or I would just prioritize the characters I liked and mm-hmm. then interrogate them this time around. I'm just doing everything because I've got more time in my hands. I've got more patience mm. as a video game player. So now I'm talking to Caden for the first time. And I'm like, you know what? He's all, he's you're, all right. you're, you're all right, pal. You're all right. I like your history <laughs> with the L2 biotics. You know, you've had a hard a hard upbringing and it's going to make a decision later on really difficult to decide what to do yeah (laughs) (laughs) but at least it would be harder this time around scott is what i'm saying because i'm actually talking to all these people Mm -hmm. for what feels like the first time even though like you um i thought i'd done this before but evidently even though i've had 10 plus playthroughs I must have just played it the same way every single time. It's strange. Oh, it's funny because uh, I'm definitely the opposite of that. Like, I, the thing I was looking forward to going into the original Mass Effect, I remember telling all my friends about it, was that you could have a conversation with people. I love the dialogue wheel. I love the way that that worked. Watching that on the previews, I couldn't believe that you could preload your responses and the flow yeah. of conversation could keep going. That was my main thing. So I was the person who was running around talking to every single character, which is why it blows my stupid mind now that I didn't know all of these details, or I didn't retain them anyway, in regards to characters to backstories or what like you know the idea that uh um grex i was gonna say greg and rex have um you know secret side missions that i just never found them before i should have done because that was the hook for me it was talking to people i mean i loved all that citadel stuff um you know like doing all the little side missions meeting the consorts and um i forget the name of the species but there's the big old elcors the one that Mm -hmm. states their um their like emotional (laughs) their intent before they say it that's my favorite thing ever um i just love it so like yeah it's but that's the thing going back to it now maybe it is just a sheer time on this planet the amount of games i've played the state the industry's in now whatever it is um is making me value this ip more than i ever did before and that was it was always in my top five of all time anyway um but i guess closing thoughts have you got where's where are you right now in the story sans spoilers and what are you looking forward to getting back to um not too far i've done about two out of the first four like big missions i've just mm. got the call for vermeyer like that information's come through mm. so i could do that i'm not going to do it yet i've got liara much earlier than i used to get her in the playthrough yeah. so that's really been interesting talking to her a bit more mm. again i played this game 10 plus times must have played it the same way every <laughs> single time i don't know why i didn't differentiate those playthroughs we yes. should say that we are both i think you're like what 15 ish like i'm about 20 hours in so it's mm-hmm. like invested a lot of time in this but it's the, the the base structure of the first mass effect is like three main missions another one gets added um and then it, that's kind of it like you can like when you know you can beat this in like eight to ten hours if you just mainline those main missions um but i think that you know the fact that i've put twice or thrice as much of that time into just exploring everything else um is a testament to just how much there is there and i, I remember my first playthrough being long 
but I, for whatever reason, I didn't retain the amount of extra detail that's in there. And um, but conversations, like you said, like you know, going up to members who are only going to become more important in time and seeing what their origins were, like the likes of Liara, like she has a hell of an arc, and um, especially where she ends up in Mass Effect Two. Um, yeah, I think that um, like going from one to two, like I mean, by the time we go through all of them, it is going to be like a hundred hours of gameplay or whatever. But we'll see. I mean, and um, we've got our stuff. Like we'll have our other podcast this time next week, so we might end up doing a Mass Effect Two one. It depends how the rest of this week goes and if anything else comes out. Because don't worry about it. Knockout City's out on Friday, mate. So just <laughs> get in. <laughs> Mass Effect Who? <laughs> if you need a uh, EA free-to-play volleyball game, then they've got you sorted, mate. Don't worry about it. But um, for now, this has been the Justice League, the Mass Effect. Scott, I can't, I can't do this before, before. No, no, no. I need to know before we go. Who are you romancing this time around? <laughs> well, that's very quickly. So- so for the longest time, big old horn dog me was just like full on Ashley Williams. I was so full on Ashley Williams that I didn't even realize she was a big old racist. I didn't even, <laughs> young me, didn't take any of that on board whatsoever. And um, this time though, Liara all the way. And um, because the conversation with her clearly means, like her relationship clearly means a lot more. Um, and she talks about, you know, the whole, uh, the fact that Asari's only mate like once in their lifetime and it's this big old thing. And sometimes they can go hundreds of years without even meeting someone um, and what it means to the species that they uh, mate with or whatever, what it, what it opens up in regards to cognition and uh it sounds like a big old fun time basically so i was like <laughs> go over there racist williams and i'm gonna spend my time <laughs> with liara so i keep checking in with her um and sort of doing the um the sort of standard video game nudge of like is there new dialogue yet can we do the yeah. thing um and then she initially told me that it was too overwhelming and she'll check back later so i'm just i'm waiting i mean little little, fo- <laughs> little foxy liara i want to i want to know what's going on um how about you um, well, honestly, funnily enough, because it's the first time I'm probably doing a Femship run, run mm. across the whole trilogy, I'm actually getting it on with Caden a little bit. Me and him got a little thing going on, but I'm going to pie him off and then go chat up Liara a little bit. And also, Tali is like the best character ever, and I love her. I don't yes. think that romance is even on the table, but I want to be it's best not. mates with her and then on the side be chatting up Liara. That's the plan. The I'm pie off Caden. Go go I'm a big fan. I th- my thing with um I, I don't know if it's just because of how much you know Commander Shepard or Mass Effect became known as the Mad Shagan franchise. That my assumption was that in the original one you could just get it on with everybody, but you can't. It's Tally's not like you said. Tally's not on the table. Garrus isn't on the table. Rex isn't on the table. Um, it's only Liara, uh, or Ashley or Caden. Um, Liara is the one that um either sex can romance, and the other one it's it's specific. But like that whole thing, I did a bit that Mass Effect's reputation speaks for itself. But I think a lot of people are going to be going into it going like right. Let's let me see exactly how many different bods I can shack up with. But, well, I uh, think it's because in Mass Effect two and three that mm. opens up massively. And then it's like, yeah, most people on the table here, let's just go off nuts with it, you know. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, they fully. I mean, Jessica Chobot in Mass Effect three, just IGN presenter at oh, the time, yeah. just on the side, like, yeah, why not? Um, its reputation became it. But yeah, going forward, we uh, we might check back in. Depends where we end up in terms of playing through the whole trilogy. But for now, Mass Effect brilliant. I've been Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Bye-bye. And we'll catch you next week. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.